Hello, welcome to Locked on Sharks, the premier hockey podcast of your favorite team in the Bay Area. And on today's episode, we're going to be doing a Michael Fisher profile. Um, I have Daniel G from Elite Prospects who's going to be coming on, uh, kind of talk about uh, Fisher, what he saw when he scouted him and kind of what Fisher's development plan and, and kind of his upside looks like if everything kind of hits for him. So all that and more on today's episode of Locked on Sharks. Your Locked On Sharks, your daily podcast on the San Jose Sharks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, J.D. Young, contributor at Fear the Fan at San Jose Hockey Now. I want to thank you, of course, for making us your first listen. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. And, of course, you can subscribe on YouTube as well. And on today's episode, uh, like I said, I have uh, Daniel G. Works for Elite Prospects. He scouted um, Michael Fisher. He you know, watched a ton of, of tape on him. Um, and kind of, you know, was a big kind of supporter of him, especially he, he'll talk about like how um, when they got all to, and, you know, their ranking and all that stuff, he was kind of was banging the table for him and, you know, uh, what type of prospect the Sharks might be getting here. So enjoy my interview with Daniel G about Michael Fisher. And now we bring in uh, Daniel G, contributor for uh, Elite Prospects to talk about one Michael Fisher. Daniel, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you doing? Not too bad. So the Sharks selected uh, Michael Fisher uh, with the, you know, with these uh, prep uh, prospects. Sometimes it can be a little bit hard to kind of find stuff on him, find footage on him. So I want to bring you in, kind of get a, a better detail because you've watched him, you know, you, you've, you've scouted him and kind of see why he's such an intriguing prospect. So let's start there. Why, why is Michael Fisher such an intriguing defensive prospect? I think like, like I've been covering uh, high school prep hockey for like three years, essentially, um, for elite prospects. And I, I really haven't seen a defender kind of dominate the way that he has. And that's counting, uh, Chicago's, uh, Sam Renzel who went in the first round. Um, you know, he's, he's a manipulator in some senses. He's not an overwhelming skater, but the upside's incredible. And I think, with that upside, there comes a lot of inherent risk just because of the fact that he's a prep, a prep player. Like the history of how we kind of like found him was like, um, you know, the prep circuit and the high school circuit requires boots on the ground typically. And it's a lot of games and everything. And, and we don't really have that, but so we kind of rely on CSS's rankings, preliminary rankings really early on just to help find, um, just notable players and everything. And Fisher, like, Fisher was rated pretty high. So we had, we, we, we kind of like, he was kind of on our back burner for a while. And JD Burke, our, um, our director of scouting was actually at the bean pot. And we, and I sent him a, you know, a couple players to go see in this downtime. And he actually, he ended up seeing Fisher and he was blown away by him down in some small rink in Massachusetts somewhere. Right. Like, uh, but yeah, like uh, he's, you know, above average shooter, above average handler. Um, I would say that physically he's pretty mature already and, and he projects to be above average in that area too. Um, the sense is about, you know, average and, but, but, you know, there's a lot of inherent risk, like I said, um, 
in the pick. Yeah, I mean, you know, just like a, you're so he's six foot two, one ninety eight already. Yeah. You know, so he's already a good sized kid, and you had him as the, you know, elite prospect. You had him at the fifth hardest shot for, and you know, the yeah, or yeah, fifth hardest shot, yeah, the third best transition defenseman, the third best offensive D man. Like, that's that's pretty high praise, especially considering some of the other defensemen that were in this class, right? Yeah, like. I have to say, like, my viewings were, like, overwhelmingly insane. Like, when when I went back to them, like, I think he scored a hat-trick in two of them. Um, like, he was breaking down these high, these prep defenders like nothing, weight shifts to weight shifts to attack their poor, their poor, you know, their poor side, their bad body positioning. And he was finishing, and his shot, like, his shot is super, super hard. Like, he, uh, and it's, it, it has a lot of details to it. Like, like, um, he hit like his placements are always high. He, he, uh, he has a lot of velocity he uses the, he uses the technology of the stick really well. Arms are unlocked from the body. Um, when I was filling out those, those rankings, like, uh, when I was trying to like, I was trying to do it from my viewpoint of the players mm -hmm. I watched, um, he may not be, you know, in the top five for shots, but for me, for what I saw, and I do crossover, so I watch basically mm -hmm. everything. Um, he would, he definitely deserved that type of ranking. Um, you know, he was, he's, he's frankly the most electric defender out of the USHS class in the last three years. And, um, like, and, and, you know, like it's, it's so hard to watch him because St. Mark's is notoriously bad for video. Um, they, I'm convinced that they film everything on like a Motorola, Motorola Razor flip phone and there's a yeah. net in front of it too. So uh. getting the live viewing from uh, our, our director of scouting was huge just to reinforce what we saw on the tape. But we, you know, we watched pretty much everything that we could find and, and we had a lot of cross scouting and, and, you know, we did rank him 42. So like the sharks got extreme value here. Um, just because like 42 hedges the risk uh, mm -hmm. of the pick. And the reason why we kind of have that inherent risk is because we didn't get to see him in USH USHL action with Youngstown, right? Like ideally that's what you want to see for high school prospects because um, you can kind of see how mature their, their offensive habits are. Like if he's beating up on these prep kids and sometimes they're, 14, 15 years old, right? Like playing, playing up in the, in varsity. Um, it's tough, right? Like, like the level of competition isn't super high. He didn't really defer to teammates very often because he was, he was the best option a lot of the times. Right. Uh, and what you can kind of look for when he plays in the USHL is just, um, is he trying the same habits over and over running into a brick wall? What's his adaptation like? Um, mm -hmm. because some players will just inherently be adapt to the next level. Right. And that, and, and that would maybe bump up his sense score if, if that was possible. For example, like I'll, I keep going back to like Sam Renzel, who was a high school defender who went to Chicago. Um, we were super high on him, uh, Chaska tape, Chaska, uh, high, high school. And he was, he was dominant down there, all tools, um, but we docked his sense grade down rate right to like four and a half, I believe, because mm -hmm. um, when he got to the USHL, his habits were so immature, so immature. Like he kept, 
he kept trying to deke past defenders. He was shooting shooting into shins. He his effort was lacking because he wasn't used to playing like that. He wasn't used to being a third pairing defender. So that's what you kind of want to look for, I guess, like this coming season, because uh, that'll that'll be a huge tell of whether he's going to be, you know, uh, going to be like you know a top a top two pairing defender or maybe a bottom piece, right? The handedness and the skill sets definitely help, right? All right, guys, before we continue, um, uh, all right, three, two, one. All right, guys, before we continue, um, you know, talk about Michael Fisher and kind of what he needs to do at Northeastern to really kind of take that next step um, to become, you know, kind of solidify himself as a Sharks prospect. We got to take a quick break, talk to you guys about our friends over at uh, Built Bar. You guys know, Built Bar, best tasting protein bar on the market. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you're depriving yourself of one of the greatest joys in life. And guess what? They have a new flavor right now. The delicious, indulgent cookie dough. If you're like me, cookie dough is the best flavor in the world. Cookie dough ice cream, cookie dough Built Bar Puffs, cookie dough anything. Give it to me right now. So it's cookie dough chunk puffs. They're light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, covered in 100% real chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it, plus it's healthy for you. They're only 160 calories and a whopping 15 grams of protein inside them. So go to built.com, grab yourself a box. It's a perfect treat. You can really find a good hiding place or you can uh, hoard them to yourselves. And if that's not your flavor, go check out. They have a ton of flavors. So you can find out which one is your favorite at built.com. Cookie dough puffs are going fast. So go to build.com, use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. Again, use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. Yeah. So what, like, you kind of talked about, you know, the difference between watching, like, preps and then watching, you know, like, juniors and stuff like that. Like, how much do you have to kind of keep that in mind when you're scouting these guys, you know, and it, yeah. it's – um you know, because like you're talking about, like how well is he going to be able to adapt when he gets to, to different levels and stuff? And is there anything you can kind of look for as as you're watching him? You know, because you know the adaptation and that's a lot of of hockey, right? Is how do you kind of problem solve? I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. Um. So you know, with with all high school hockey, like it's you have to take it with a grain of salt, unfortunately. Um. But you can you can identify you know tools and decision-making, like you mentioned, that will determine whether they have some translatability. So like, first of all, like Fisher isn't like a super, super high-end skater. Like we, we have him ranked at like a five out of nine, which is NHL average. But what he does to overcome that is he has a whole bunch of like weight shift manipulations on the, on transition that allow him to blow by, blow by defenders. Uh, now you can look at that, like, like he has like a hundred percent success rate at the prep level. Like I watched a game where he in the first half of the game, he must've burnt end to end 10 times and got a shot attempt out of it. So obviously he's not going to get that volume at higher levels, but what you're looking for is just like, you want to make sure that he's, he's at least manipulating because even if he's manipulating poor competition, it means he has that, he has that kind of problem solving in his brain and then, um, and defending too, like, like uh, he doesn't defend a whole lot, like in his time, like in one of my viewings, like I wrote, like he basically spent zero minutes defending, but um, 
you know, his gap is really strong. He guides the outside and he's frankly really physical. Like he threw a hip check on one of the players I watched. I think I clipped it. I'll send it to you if I have it, but he, uh, he sent the guy horizontal, like in the boards and he was hanging in the air. Like it was like, he's one of those players. Like when I, when I was like, when I was watching him, I was getting legitimately excited and I fought for him every ranking we did to have him have him super high but yeah like overall like like uh he's he's more electric than ian moore who came out of saint marks he was a mm -hmm. third round pick of of anaheim um and you know a really high third round pick almost a second round pick and he skates better his shot maybe isn't as hard but he's a smarter player um and you know uh ian moore had a good season with chicago and and he's and he had a good uh freshman season with harvard and i think the switch that that uh, fisher has gone through instead of going to princeton he's going to northeastern like it's just it's just perfect really for him right like that's a great program jordan mm -hmm. harris right like struble like like those like they know how to develop some defenders there so um he'll be able to play his game there like the pathing is really really exciting i think so yeah, what, that kind of brings you to the next question. Um, what does he need to do at Northeastern, you think, to kind of help take that next step to be like a, not like a legitimate, but kind of be a, a threat to be an actual like NHL player, I guess? I think, I think like, I think the the first step is, is USHL because I believe he's going there next season. So like the first step is, is let's try and let's try and beat opponents like we did in, at high school. Let's try to manipulate let's angle off let's play mm -hmm. let's let's play against some better competition first and really understand like what works and what doesn't because ushl isn't a really a high-flying league either skating wise so he should be he should be above average skater in that league um and 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 you just you want to see that adaptability you want to see him learn from mistakes and not keep forcing you know bashing his head against the wall making making uh, smarter plays and just learning because um because he's gonna get he's gonna get great development at northeastern like like the ncaa path is like probably the strongest to become an nhler because of just the facilities they have in terms of training and the coaching and the, how it's hyper focused on hockey and all that kind of stuff um, so, uh, but, but I think he had, you know, he inherently, he has enough, enough skill to think, I think he'll persevere and project as like a second pairing defender, if not better. I mean, yeah, we've seen the sharks have been really kind of, you know, especially with this draft where they hit a, they had drafted a lot of, of college players and, you know, they, they've in their past, they've, they've been hitting that route and, you know, with Thomas Bordalo, and then you have Jasper Weatherby yeah. and Scott Reed, and a lot of these guys who are coming through the, the college rankings and working their way up. Mario Ferraro, of course, you know, went to went mm -hmm. the college rankings for the defenseman. And, you know, yeah, it, it you kind of lose some of the, like, oh, if he's good, he can just kind of, you know, play a type of thing or, you know, go play in the AHL. But you've seen these guys kind of make an impact in the NHL a lot sooner, right? They kind of, you know, some of the top-end guys are, you know, they're, they're skipping that AHL or having limited time in that AHL. Yeah. I still feel like Fisher, though, he's it's probably going to be a slow cook for him, right? Where it's going to take, even if, you know, once he goes to college, he's probably going to have to spend some time in the AHL just because of, again, the path that he's taking that, you know, mm -hmm. high school to USHL to, to college, right? He's he's really raw, like, and and I think he'll show to be that in the USHL next season, but there there is a chance that he's going to be one of the better defenders in that league. 
like in his own zone, like he has the strength to box out people around the net, but that he'll opt to stick check them instead. And it'll lead to a couple high danger chances. So he needs to shore up like body positioning. Um, but he, you know, he's a proactive mover. He's a pressure pusher. He can pick pocket people. It, all of the, all of it screams translatability, but ultimately you're not looking at like translatability to NCAA and translatability to USHL. You're looking at translatability to the NHL. And, and the reason why we had him, we had him so high, we would have actually had him higher if he played USHL games, uh, because he had a lot of fans. We did have one scout that, that felt he had a lot of junior habits, which is fair, but, uh, but yeah, like, like he, he's super raw and he's aggressive and, and it, it, it's, it's like, I don't, I don't want to say it's kind of like a mystery box, but it kind of is until we see some, some action out of him. Right. Like I didn't really pay too close attention to the sharks camp. So I don't know how he, how he fared there. Maybe you can fill me in, but, um, but yeah, he, uh, I, he's super exciting to me. Like I, I think he should have been in the se a second round pick. I think a lot of, I think a lot of players with less skill went before him. Um, uh, but you know, like, it, like, I just think in general, like, like it's, it was a good pick. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, he pretty quiet during you know, the camp and that's to yeah. be, you know, especially your first development camp and you got, got some guys who've actually played NHL games in there too. You yeah. know, like Ryan Merkley was playing, Bordelow was playing, Eklund was playing. And so, you know, it's, it's not expected for him to kind of come in and just light it on fire, which especially for defensemen, mm -hmm. you know, and I think they played three on three. So it's, again, it's not like yeah. going to be the, the, the best. All right. Before we finish up with Daniel, um, we kind of talk about, you know, what, the one thing that might hold uh, Michael Fisher back from kind of reaching his his full potential. Uh, I want to take a quick break and, of course, remind you guys about uh, when you're done listening to this show, go check out the Locked On NHL show. They've got you covered for all the news that's happening in the NHL. You know, I know things are starting to slow down, but that doesn't mean that the new season isn't going to be here soon enough. So they're going to start getting you guys ready for what's coming up in the 2022-2023 season. So make sure you guys are checking out the Locked On NHL show for your second listen of the day. You know, you talked about a lot about like some of his translatable skills. What do you think is going to be the one thing that holds him back from maybe really kind of reaching his potential? Um, it's going to be like, it's going to be like his, it's going to be hockey sense probably like, like because he skates well enough and he manipulates well enough. I still, I'm, I'm just a little scared about like how he'll use his line mates. Cause he's never really had to in a while. Um, and how he just, how he problem solves against better better opponents because we just do not have evidence right and and that's the hardest thing and um and like i i said like like sam renzel we were super high on him we had him at 15 and we dropped him to 32 after multiple like a string of 10 bad viewings and the only reason i use them because it's just they're just so comparable in the sense that their situation and one guy one guy went there one guy didn't um but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be developing sense, uh, which, you know, can't really develop, but you know, habits, pro habits, that type of thing. Cause you know, he has high school habits right now and that's just the way it is. Um, so yeah, like habit forming at the USHL level, then NCAA and continue to develop physically. Cause he could probably still fill up frame, his frame more, uh, and then use his frame. Right. So I think that's that's the biggest area that I would be concerned about and barrier to entry. But like I said, like he probably has enough inherent tools and 
uh, ability to to make impact at the NHL level and the handedness, like the right shot. Like there's a, such a there's such a deficiency in the NHL for right shooting defenders who are offensive that that it makes a lot of sense. Like like I it, like I personally consider him a better prospect than Scott Morrow who went to Carolina and I watched Scott Morrow quite a bit. Um, he's a better skater, better decision maker, um, more dominant North to South, that type of thing. Like, uh, so, so we'll see, like, we'll see what happens. Um, it's not the greatest answer cause it's just, it, there's so much, there's so much, uh, ambiguity between like what will happen, but, but yeah, look for look to see if if he picks up habits wise and and what his what his coaches are saying at the USHL level and see where he's where he's placed in the depth chart. If he's pushed down a bit, then then it's kind of a sign that the habits are maybe a little under underdeveloped. If he's playing a lot, then then the, you know there's there's major potential there that he'll step into Northeastern and be you know a top pairing option for them. Daniel, you said it all. Uh, where can the people find you? And uh, what do you have coming out next, if you have anything coming out next? Uh, you, you can find me on Twitter, Daniel mm-hmm. G Scouting. I, I cover I cover the draft and a little bit Canucks related, um, Canucks prospects related. But yeah, um, you can check Ooh, out our... How excited were you about uh, Likiramaki then? I, I was pretty excited. Like we, yeah. we were actually a little lower on him than... We, were, we had him like 18 just mm-hmm. because we were a little worried about his sense and stuff. But uh, at pick 15, it's really good value when you consider who went first and all the defenders went. Like, so that's, yeah. that's the team's need, right? But, yeah, he's you probably watched him quite a bit with the 11th pick, right? Come, uh, yes. Pick. yes, yes, yeah. yes. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not looking forward to uh, uh, Peterson, you know, just sliding passes over to like Hiramaki <laughs> yeah. and just slamming them home for the next 10 yeah. years. Yeah, yeah, Pedersen on the left, on the on the right circle, Lakira yeah. Mackey on the left. Yeah, that, that's what it'll be. So. It's gonna be great. <laughs> it's gonna be great, guys. Yeah, <laughs> it should be. Yes. Um, but yeah, you, you can check out our draft guide too. Like we well, there, we have game reports on Fisher, Lund, Havlid. Our Swedish scouts really, really good. Um, uh, really thorough with that kind of stuff. Like we had Havlid, I think twenty eight. So good value there. We, uh, I know Mitch Brown, one of the better scouts in our group, but really knowledgeable watches thousands of games a year. He really liked Lund. So there's lots of good information in there. It only costs us a, a sub and you can cancel it if you want after. Uh, but it's like a thousand pages game reports. It's, it's very dense. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's lots of info. So if you want to know anything, there's lots of opinions in there. Yeah. Cool. Daniel, thank you very much. We'll have to have you back on at some point. You know, yeah, uh, maybe you, when we get in, uh, start getting ready for next draft year and yeah. all the fun that that's going to be a that's going to be a yeah. pretty awesome draft class. So yeah, it, yeah, and I'm based in the WHL, like WHL region, so uh, that's where like a lot of the you know you have Hyatt Jaeger, you know Bedard, uh, Lind, like it's Kegnyan. It's yeah, it's. <laughs> The 2023 draft is amazing, and uh, and I, the Sharks might be poised to get a really good player this upcoming season, right? So super exciting. So bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Daniel. It's the process. Yep. Thank you very much, buddy. Okay. Thanks. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Daniel. Um, I'm really intrigued about about Fisher. I think he's going to be one guy I'm really going to kind of keep an eye on, especially in this 2022 draft class. You know. 
kind of that Brandon Co thing where he has all the tools. And if you hope that he can kind of put the tool, find the toolbox to get them all together, you know, he definitely has a bit of a, bit of a road before you were going to see him, you know, contribute with the Sharks. Uh, you know, I, I'm expecting probably three, four, five years, but man, all the, that, all the stuff that you, you know, from the scouting reports and watch, you know, the highlights and stuff like that. He he seems like a guy who might be, you know, there might be something diamond in the rough type of, of thing here with him. So um, if you enjoyed this, make sure you guys are checking us out on uh, social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Locked On Sharks. Post all of our work there. Again, you can listen wherever you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Odyssey. If you haven't on Apple, please leave a five star review um, or watch the show on YouTube. Uh, 1200 subscribers there really appreciate each and every one of you guys uh, as we continue to try to make this the best show possible um do apologize for dakota she had to uh make her you know part of being a co-host is you have to make sure that your voice is heard so if you heard any uh kind of growling or you know just her wanting attention uh, i was probably petting her the entire time uh the, the episode was happening so perks to be in the co-host but um so yeah we'll be back next week i've got a couple uh more interviews lined up gonna keep them a little quiet right now but make sure you guys are back next week we are again three shows a week until probably about mid-september then we'll start ramping up when, when training camp starts so and then i'm um, also going to be starting my get to know the enemy series where i'm going to be having um the host of all the pacific teams on so we're going to kind of learn about what happens and their off season and what their kind of 2022-2023 season is. So that should be starting here in a couple of weeks as well. So um yeah, that's gonna be it. I'll see you guys next week. Bye, friends. <laughs>